0: episode of everyday eternal i'm matt
1: i'm sam craven
0: and you may notice that uh, we're actually on a uh, new website
1: yes we got our very own website we're a, a grown-up podcast now
0: uh i think we've been around now for over two years or it'll be two years quite soon and uh, we finally have our own uh, website so congrats to us yep <laughs> you guys made it all possible actually you didn't we did everything thanks for listening though
1: So let's jump right in and uh, look at some of the cards from this new set.
0: Yeah, so Dragons of Tarkir came out, I guess, just this past weekend when we're recording this cast. Yep. So, yeah, there's quite a few cards in here. And let's go over their applicability in Legacy, Vintage, and uh, no other formats.
1: Yep. Um, Let's, by the way, let's quote Sean's email for why he's not here today. Wake me up when they unban something with text in Legacy or ban (laughs) Derpstorm.
0: So suffice to say... He will not be joining us for
1: this cast. Just unfortunate with his uh, history in Vintage, he tends to have some unique perspective on cards that I would not have expected for Vintage. But I don't think there's very much of that in this set.
0: I I agree with that statement. So, Sam, do you want to kick it off?
1: Uh, Let's start out with the mechanics, because we won't be mentioning cards with a lot of these mechanics. So let's just talk about them so that we know what they are. Uh, The first one is Bolster. Bolster reads choose a creature with the least toughness among creatures you control and put a plus one plus one counter on it. So the sample card for this is Sandcrafter Mage, which is two and a white, creature human wizard, two two, when it enters the battlefield, bolster one. It's a neat ability. Uh one of the things that they've done in the set is as well as in the previous set, is there are cards that care about whether or not they have plus one plus one counters on them. So this adds a little bit of uh, a neat kick, I guess. Uh, a good way to put some upside on a creature without making the creature too big.
0: Yeah, and it also... It's bolstering your garbage tokens that maybe may have been worthless at some point because they're just maybe a chump blocker or whatever, but a 2-2 is so much more relevant than a 1-1. So, like I said, what's the next uh, one we want to go over? Uh,
1: the next one is something that has been brought back, which is Rebound, which is if you cast a spell from your hand, exile as it resolves. At the beginning of your next upkeep, you may cast the card from exile without paying its mana cost. Obviously, uh, that's a mechanic that has the ability to do some really wacky things. We'll be talking a little bit about that mechanic as well. Exploit reads, when this creature enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice a creature. And then most of the creatures that have this also have something that's when this creature exploits a creature, something happens. So the sample card is Silamagar Butcher, 5 and a black. Exploit, when Silamagar Butcher exploits a creature, target creature gets minus 3, minus 3 until end of turn.
0: Yeah, so like good on its own, but if you have some extra tokens kicking around, you know, why not? Like another one is Vulturous Aven, right? If you exploit a creature, draw two cards and lose two life.
1: And there's some obvious synergies to be had here as well. There's a lot of creatures that do something when they die. From more recent things, not that you're going to be exploiting this, but Scuttling Doom Engine would be would be fantastic to exploit.
0: I, yeah.
1: <laughs> you're like, I, I don't remember what that card does.
0: Nope. But I assume if you mentioned it it was probably a OK.
1: It was uh, I believe it's a six man artifact and okay. when it when it dies it deals 6 damage to target creature or player. Okay. And I had said that that sounds awesome in welder stacks.
0: Yes, yes it does actually. <laughs>
1: Uh, moving on uh, dash dash is dash and a cost you may cast this spell for its dash cost if you do it gains haste and it is returned from the battlefield to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step this reminds me a lot of was it unearth in conflux where you had these creatures that were hasty and then you could reanimate them once and it turns these creatures almost into burn spells
0: yeah, it's interesting. So, like, Sprinting Warbrute is some 5-mana five 5-4 five, attacks each turn, but for its dash cost, you cast it, gains haste, and then, you know, return from the battlefield. Like, it, it seems okay.
1: Well, it's, it's, it seems very balanced to me because most, I, in fact, I believe all of the dash costs are cheaper than the regular costs. Yeah. So you're having to pay that over and over again, but as an upside, you know, they can't use any sorcery-based removal. They're not exactly. going to be able to use any sweepers because that's removal. Uh, you're protected from any planeswalker abilities that may remove it, like a Jace ability. Yeah. Um, I played oh. one of these... Uh, I played several Dash guys in, I played a six-booster-sealed-dragons-of-Tarkir event the other day, and Dash was excellent. If I could have played Mono Red, I would have.
0: Yeah, it seems like an interesting ability. I'm not sure if it's quite playable, at least the cards that have it are, you know, not the greatest, especially in Legacy or Vintage, but I'm wondering how far they can push this mechanic until it actually becomes playable in Legacy, because, like, Who wouldn't want to play, say, a dash Tarmogoy for something, right?
1: Well, and even if you put this on a smaller creature, you 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 get to put a very big negative on a creature in that it comes back, so you can kind of push the creature's uh, power limits in other ways. So, you know, instead of a 2-2 haste in red, you might have a 3-1 haste in red, but you have to cast it every single turn.
0: Yeah.
1: And that gives them chances to remove it at instant speed, counter it, uh, and, of course, block it as normal.
0: I really enjoy the design space there. But, we'll see. We also have
1: Formidable. This is uh, kind of an extension of an earlier mechanic. The ability checks whether or not you control 8 power of creatures. So, the sample card here is uh, an elk. Whenever it attacks, if creatures you control have total power 8 or more, creatures you control gain trample until end of
0: turn. So, I mean, with this, like, say, elk herd is the one that I'm looking at right now, it's already a 5-5. So, I mean, you have to control three power worth of other creatures for everything to gain Trample on tech. Like, that's probably not hard to do.
1: And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I stack my triggers in the attack step right, this works really, really nicely with Exalted, correct?
0: Yeah, if you uh, you announce them correctly and uh, do everything properly, I think it should work just fine.
1: That being said, eight is a lot of power to have on board at once in Legacy. Generally, if that's happening, you've got two goifs or a batter skull and two or three other creatures or you're yeah. playing reanimator where you wouldn't be playing one of these creatures anyway
0: yeah you're either winning or getting terminus so it doesn't really matter
1: so this is probably not a mechanic that we will see a whole lot of in the formats that we are fans of and the last ability is megamorph um there's kind of some whining and gnashing of teeth over this mechanic megamorph is morph but when you flip it it gets a plus one plus one counter on it and that's fun- that's fine, but why not just have morph with an extra triggered ability on the creature.
0: I agree. Like I don't think there's any reason to not have this as a like you, you didn't need to keyword this. This is morph when you unmorph this creature, add a plus one plus one character.
1: I, I think more than that, this is we needed X number of keywords in this set, so let's add this one. Well Maybe that's yeah. just me being super cynical.
0: We are typically
1: Regardless, different. obviously something that's megamorphed in is better than something that's morphed in, right?
0: Well, well
1: that depends on the card of course
0: yeah i'm not impressed with this mechanic like no that's all i have to say
1: shall we get into individual cards
0: of course please start
1: let's start with the face of the set sarkhan unbroken he has now been <laughs> uh has he been every single color
0: uh let's see so he's being sarkhan regular so he, that's red right sarkhan the mad is red black no the first one was red green i think don't think he's being white so, he, so
1: he's the closest one to being the first uh, five-color Planeswalker?
0: He goes through, he's very moody. He's like, oh, I'm a white mage, I'm this. Let's
1: talk about what it is. So he's uh, two and a rug. That's two, green, blue, red. Planeswalker Sarkhan.
0: Okay, so five mana. So already he's, like, in my mind, I see this mana cost. is like three different colors, and five mana. He better be real good because Jake's very good. So he starts with four. Four that's, is okay. That's,
1: that's good. You're not immediately in bolt range.
0: Yeah, so what's the first ability, Sam?
1: Uh, first ability, plus one, draw a card, then add one mana of any color to your mana pool.
0: So the first turn he comes into play, you get to draw a card off him, which is okay. Like, that's, I have no problem with this. And you add one mana. I'm not really sure what you're doing with the one mana on turn five.
1: I think you're kind of, uh, it's more like Sarkin cost four, but has a check for whether or not you have five mana sources.
0: Yeah, so I I don't think the one mana makes that much of a difference. But okay. Uh, So then his second ability, minus two, put a 4-4 red dragon token with flying onto the battlefield. That's okay.
1: Certainly, and uh, starting at four, assuming that your opponent doesn't, uh, you know, bolt sarkin or attack it, you're talking about five mana for two 4-4s. That's not too bad. Assuming that you went straight to those two abilities.
0: He does protect himself while producing 4-4s, but his protection means he's down to two. So, like, a Delver is getting through... Like, if you have two creatures, like, he's getting bolted. I would have liked to have seen him produce a 4-4 and stay at 4. Now, however you would have had to have done that to achieve that is is up for debate. But I would have preferred, for a 5-mana Planeswalker, he should survive a bolt and produce a 4-4 token. In my opinion. So say he started at 6, and then, like, minus 2 was produce a 4-4, and say his plus 1 was whatever. Do you know what I mean? I think, like, to be playable...
1: Yeah, it needs to just, you know, after activation, be a little bit less vulnerable, basically.
0: Yeah, I agree. What's his last ability, Sam?
1: His last ability is minus eight. Not too bad when you're starting at four and probably plussing. Search your library for any number of dragon creature cards and put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Obviously, that's insane. Big yeah. problem, not a lot of people playing dragons in Legacy. Yeah.
0: So like what's your what's your actual win condition? Like you could just run like four four Bogren and Hellkites and twenty of them, right? Um, what else could you do? Shivan Hellkites? Like there's there's a bunch of dragons in this set. I mean if you're getting to eight, you're putting a lot of power on the board, but does that power survive Terminus?
1: Yeah, well and besides mm. that, you're you're looking at spending five mana. So it's probably turn four or five. Uh, ticking up for four turns and then minusing.
0: So it's it's it has to be in play five complete turns.
1: Yeah, so I think if anyone were to use this, it would be in a completely new deck to abuse the ultimate.
0: So then what happens when you draw these shitty dragons like out of order,
1: right? Well, I mean, if you're if you're able to play this, you're probably able to play some dragons pretty soon. I just think that uh, the, the bigger problem is you're spending a lot of turns getting up to mana to do not a whole lot other than cast a dragon on turn six or seven.
0: So my question is this, like, on turn 5, you're in red, would you rather not just play, like, say, Stormbreath Dragon?
1: Yeah, and I think maybe maybe this could be good in, like, a casual dragons deck, where you can just cast all the dragons in your library, and this ultimate is just a seal the deal.
0: Yeah, I just think, like, if they really wanted to push this guy, make him 4 mana. You could still play in 3 colors, like, you gotta still, like, put some restrictions on him, but he either has to protect himself a little better his ultimate has to be a little better or he has to cost less. Like there's a few, he's, there's a few too many ways to make him bad basically.
1: Yeah. And you're saying take a a notch off his mana cost. And generally that's a pretty big uh, thing to say negatively about a planeswalker. But when you've got three different color mana in the mana cost, the drawback in terms of mana is already very strong. This is much harder to cast than your run of the mill five mana card. That might be, you know, two red and three or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, ultimately, uh, I'm going with, we will not see any of these in uh, competitive legacy events.
0: I agree, and if you do, it'll be a fluke and you'll never see it again. So...
1: On to cards that we uh, actually think might might have a little bit of playability, then?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, since we're already in Planeswalkers, do you just want to talk about Narset?
1: Sure, we can skip to Narset. Narset is uh, probably the most interesting from a... Eternal point of view, and based on what my friends who play other formats say, one of the most interesting in general.
0: So let's let's talk about it. So art, not bad. Four mana. Two white blue. So again, four mana for a planeswalker, okay. We're 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 two colors, that's fine.
1: Control colors.
0: Yeah. So already we're in we're in good shape. Starting loyalty is six. Which is insane. I don't care what she does, starting at six is good value it means she's not dying to a bolt she can probably survive if you have the plus ability she's surviving a Tarmogoyf attack i like that already so sam what's the first ability
1: uh, the first ability plus one look at the top card of your library if it's a non-creature non-land card you may reveal it and put it into your hand
0: so if you're playing this in a control deck you're either bricking on a land which is shitty okay but you're probably not playing many creatures so you're probably going to hit some gas
1: well, in Legacy or Vintage you're likely hitting either something that can trips or selects cards or counter magic.
0: With nothing wrong with either of those. So, plus one. So, going up to 7, getting another card and passing on turn four? I'm I'm okay with that.
1: So, here's my question just off this ability and we can explore this a little more once we've gone through everything. Do I want to play Delver with this with this Planeswalker and just have like Delver, this Planeswalker and a bunch of spells?
0: I, I don't think so.
1: I mean, like Dover's a fine finisher. I guess you know. It doesn't we'll see. Over. Let's talk about the other things it does. Yeah. Uh, go for its flexibility, so, Matt.
0: Okay, so minus two. When you cast your next instant or sorcery spell from your hand this turn, it gains rebound. So as we talked about rebound, that's where you exile and it comes back again. So where does that matter? Okay, so it's turn it's turn uh, four. You cast Narset. The next one you play. Um. So say you had five mana. Whatever you ramped, five mana. You play Swords of plowshares, and it rebounds. So you get the swords of guy. So say they're attacker. So you actually can't kill Narset. Next time comes around, I think it's on the upkeep, or it might be on untap. It
1: is the upkeep. Important note, real quick: uh, the spell does have to resolve the first time around.
0: Yes, fair enough. So you get the swords of plowshares, and then on your upkeep, you get the swords of plowshares again, or you get to brainstorm and then brainstorm again. I don't think in Legacy that there's any problem with that. Like, I mean, I guess they like, I guess the way they get around it is if you sort of plowshares, they like don't play out a creature, and then basically the sort of plowshares gets burned. Oh,
1: and I think that's fine because then they haven't played their creature, and yeah, I mean, you know, the same thing with if you played like a sweeper, like great. If if this card doesn't hit anything, you have chosen not to play a creature. I've still that, removed some of that damage, and yeah. I haven't given you the life that Swords to Plowshares would have given you, or like that, whatever that tempo, else the spell would
0: have done. Like a tempo loss of having to like go into removal spell, removal spell for an opponent? That's really shitty.
1: Yeah, and we, we'll talk again more about this, because that ability is nuts. The ultimate, minus 9. So starting at 6, minus 9, not going to take a very long time to get so to So again,
0: that's 4 turns instead of 5, right?
1: You get an emblem with Your opponents can't cast non-creature spells.
0: So, is a Delver deck that great when it's just casting more Delvers? Maybe not. Is, like... Because, I mean, assuming you're playing this in a control deck, you're, you've are you got a pretty good handle probably on your opponent's creatures, and their spells are what basically is going to dig them out of their hole. Well, if you're saying, no, 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 you're not casting any non-creatures, it's going to be pretty tough. Sam?
1: It's... it's... Interesting how this just completely blanks some decks. Like, obviously if you manage to ult with this, Storm isn't going to play the rest of the game. <laughs> Dredge yeah. is not going to play the rest of the game against you. In Legacy, there's a bit more creatures, so this isn't that bad, but you might screw them. Like, if, you, if they brainstorm, don't have a fetch out, and then you activate this, they are so screwed.
0: Yeah, like, I, I, I'm just wondering is this... Like, Jace basically has protection, brainstorm, you know... It has, and it's actually a kill. The only thing is, this is not truly a kill. This is an advantage engine that would work well in conjunction with something else, but, like, unfortunately, like, minus nine is not. you Your opponent loses the game.
1: Well, I'm still fine with that because this minus two is just, I mean...
0: The minus two and the plus one are both really good.
1: The highest value thing you can do with minus two is probably dig through time.
0: Oh, fuck. Okay, yeah, that's pretty good.
1: Which means, you know, four because mana...
0: The because you don't have to worry about uh, delving on the second go, right? Because it's just, free, right. Yeah, that's... Okay, that's pretty good.
1: So, four mana, minus two, uh, blue, blue, get rid of some cards, and then over the course of two turns, look at 14 cards. If you're not winning after that, what have you done in your deck construction? Like, obviously, that is
0: yeah. just actually insane. Okay, so this could be supplemental, like, maybe in a white-blue control deck you're playing, three Jason, one Narset. Or, I mean, whatever. I I think she's quite good.
1: So, what is the worst commonly played spell in blue-white, the one that you most don't want to have rebound?
0: Tough choice here. I want swords. I guess it counters. Well, you would never, like, activate this and then, like, it turns out that the next spell is your force of will or whatever. Right, like.
1: because it's when you cast your next instant or sports free spell this turn.
0: Yeah, so it seems weird, like, there's no opportunity for your opponent to to kind of get you, I think, with this. Because let's, let's think about this. You activate this, and you go to attack step or something, and your opponent is like, oh, kill your guy, and you have to force a will. Yeah, okay. the, the only
1: times I'm thinking is kill your guy and uh, or activate a fetch land.
0: Yeah, like, I, I just think if you play it smart, you don't have to waste your rebound on a useless spell. I think... As long as your say your spell resolves, it's probably gonna be a brainstorm, a ponder, a of a plowshares, a, a dig through time, whatever.
1: So I think probably the worst commonly played spell and so we're gonna get rid of all counter spells because those probably aren't gonna be what you're rebounding. The worst commonly played spells are probably brainstorm if you didn't already have some sort of shuffle method up, because you're only you're seeing three cards and then one more. Yeah. And after that it's kinda hard to come up with something really.
0: Yeah, like I uh, think maybe
1: maybe bolt because at that point bolt may be a low value option. But even then, you know, if you bolt oh, their ooh, face, ooh, that's like, better than swordsing nothing.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like an empty bolt is like, oh, oops, I got you for another, you know, six percent of your life total or whatever, right? Like, sorry, one six, so sixteen percent. But
1: I'm not sure about legacy with this. What I want to play this with, I mentioned Delver. Uh, I think where this could be potentially very interesting is a cantrip heavy. Monastery mentor deck with tops oh. so that you guarantee you're always drawing two cards a turn.
0: Oh, okay, yeah.
1: And then every time you rebound, you're going to cast a spell, prowess all of your monks, you're gonna get a new monk, and then yeah. you're going to do it again for free next turn.
0: Oh, I like okay.
1: So I'm I'm like like three of these, four monastery mentors, like four tops, and then just cantrips, counter spells, and sword splotch shares.
0: I you know what? That's not bad. The only thing I could say that would be like kinda eh, is like turn three mentor turn four narset make a token uh plus one you know basically get an extra card and then you kind of you only quote go nuts i think like two turns after
1: well even i mean if we're going to be in magical christmas land you know you go monastery mentor narset minus two jitaxian probe
0: okay yeah i guess you'd be playing probe. <laughs> okay that's just fine yeah, there's no problem with that.
1: Which which is, again, like, oh, the value of seeing their hand twice, not that great. The value of drawing two cards, making, and making more two tokens, tokens and, yeah. yeah. So, this is a card, I'm I'm not sure, though... Would you put it
0: on, like, a watch? Like, to watch? Uh, like I will
1: be, as soon as these are a little more affordable, picking up probably two or three of these to try out in a deck like, uh, like I described. I don't know whether or not this will be uh, good enough in Legacy. I think if it is, it would require something a lot different than we've already got
0: yeah i think it's really interesting so i think whoever actually designed this and like designed the abilities this is like i'm actually quite fascinated by this card
1: i think the closest existing legacy deck to something that might play this would be a deck like blue white red delver with no stoneforge mystics just like delver maybe a couple young pyromancers like patriot
0: mentor basically yeah which you know what you might see you might actually see mentor come into its own maybe more so with this card but you know time will tell
1: certainly and another uh, thing I that I hadn't even considered if you're playing this with delver uh, you can play your if you already have this out you play your delver you look at the top card you can know in advance whether or not you need to shuffle it away to try and get an instant or a sorcery to flip your delver true sure. there's just there's so much that we can say about this card uh, one other little thing the minus two it's when you cast it from your hand so. If you cast a spell from your hand on a Yawgmoth's Will turn, this gets exiled and comes back in your next turn and then goes to your graveyard instead of just being permanently exiled like it normally would on a Yawgmoth's Will turn.
0: Okay, relevant.
1: I don't know if this will ever uh, get played in, in Esper Shell like that, but that's just one more little piece of value that all of these abilities have.
0: I have no problem with (laughs) this card.
1: You mentioned that you liked the art. Uh, That's something I've seen a lot of people comment on. The art is a lot more classic than more recent sets have been. Uh, There's still a lot of CG, but it is at least more classic high fantasy, you know, like you expect to see on a 1990s edition of The Hobbit or something.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I've, I've, I mean, I maybe haven't said this a lot on the cast, but like, I haven't been liking the CG art direction that we've been going in. It's just personal preference. Again, I played a long time ago. That's what I, like. Playing 94, you're like, wow, look at these fantasy magic cards. And like, now I'm just kind of like, eh, this this, uh, this appeals to me. All
1: right, in under 30 seconds, on that note, new Thalia promo, yes or no?
0: Ugh.
1: <laughs> Let's move along, shall we? Okay. From here on out, we're just going in alphabetical order, because that seems like a logical way to do this. Uh, the first card I've got is Anafenza, Kintree Spirit.
0: So, she's a 2-2 legendary spirit soldier for white-white, specifically. Uh, Sam?
1: Whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, bolster one.
0: So, again, you play... When it comes into play, enters the battlefield, so this could be off a vial, this could be off whatever. You bolster your tiniest creature, so whatever that may be. Where do you see this seeing some play? Like, obviously, the white-white cost has me thinking death and taxes.
1: So I think double white is probably too much for death and taxes as the most popular build is run because you're already running four Rashidden ports for wasteland. That double white is going to be a bit difficult on the flip side. You can just file this in. So I'm not sure is I would definitely put this on to watch as you said, but where I could definitely see this seeing play is if you wanted to play a little bit more budget build, Uh, I think I've referred to this before as death and death, where it's just play more creatures, play more creatures, play more creatures. This seems real great. Like, you go turn one Vile, Anafenza, Vile in a Mother of Runes, now you've got a 2-2 Mother of Runes.
0: Yeah, and exactly. And most of the problem with that deck is like, oh, the Zealous Persecution Golgari Charms slash whatever, my Mother of Runes, and the Mother of Runes lock is no longer complete. And having a 2-2 means if you need to, you can actually swing in with it for some value instead of like dying to a deathright Shaman. Which, you know, I mean, it's, I'm not saying it's going to happen often, but even if your like so your smallest creature is an you know, herself, I'm I'm not averse to like getting a three three like.
1: Certainly, uh, one important thing to notice that is uh, based on toughness. So, if you play is flicker wisp, is a three one correct?
0: That's correct. So, making it a four two is uh, mucho bueno.
1: Yes, definitely. From the sound of it, though, you think this could slot into the existing death and taxes builds with uh, important and wasteland.
0: I. Like that's the thing. Does it fill a role that some other card doesn't do? Like, let's put it this way: Spirit of the Labyrinth currently is, I would say, almost not good enough for that deck. And I mean, Death in Texas, um, like, real players will will probably contest like whether or not it is a good card or it isn't. Because I'm no expert. I just don't think this this like improves a bad matchup enough to to kind of do anything. The
1: slot that this is filling, I think, is big dumb idiot beater which is not a slot that Death and Taxes has room for. This would be card number 61, 62, 63, I think, if that's what you're thinking of it as. On the flip side, though, like you said, again, I don't know, this uh, definitely just on the borderline because pumping up guys to get around Golgari Charm and uh, all the other minus one, minus one effects that are floating around right now is really great, especially when you consider you could do something like they Golgari Charm. You. Um, In response,
0: violin. You, yeah,
1: response, violence something, and now your best, your one other great, like, your one other dude is saved, and your Anna is saved. That's fantastic.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think there might be better cards to deal with, say, you know, Zealous Persecution or whatever. I, yeah, I mean, the deck is already running very tight on slots. Like, you're always wondering, like, how many Sarah Avenger do I run? How many Thalia? How many Spirit of the Labyrinth? Am I running them at all? or are they in the board? Yeah, I just don't... I just don't think it's quite cutting it.
1: The ability doesn't do enough for the rest of the deck's game
0: plan, essentially. If you could bolster two creatures, or it put two plus one plus one counters on it, I think it would be good enough. I think here it's just... just not quite.
1: One important thing to note, it is legendary, and Death and Taxes tends to play, what, two or three Caracas?
0: Oh, that's true, yeah. Which
1: also means that you can can, block, take this out, put it back in.
0: Yeah, even then. I mean, then you also get the problem of like, oh, I have all these legendary creatures, so I only can have one out of... Like, it's... ah. You know, what, are you going to run all legendary creatures? Like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, so we're going with possible, but just barely not good enough?
0: More likely a budget option. However, maybe somebody in Death and Taxes will break this card. I don't think it's... I, I
1: think if if this card is going to be broken, it's going to be through the use of viling things in a lot. So maybe cutting the conv- the average converted mana cost down to where you're viling in like one and two drops every single turn. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Interesting. All right, here's one that you wanted to put on the list. I will say the card, and then I'll let you read it. Uh, Assault Formation.
0: Uh, so it is a one in green enchantment. So one in a green enchantment. Stroud of the Fittest? Maybe no. Each creature you control assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. So for two mana, this is Doran. All right. Doran uh, did see some play by me Um, during Trinity Nemesis's kind of like real reign of when it was really popular in the format because a 1-1 Trinity Nemesis is whatever. Nobody gives a fuck. Um, Your thoughts on just that ability?
1: Doran has always been a card that people have wanted to play. I believe it's a little more of a thing in modern... Where, you know, if uh, if your goif is a 6-7 and their goif is a 6-7, but your goif is attacking for 7 instead of 6, that's real, real good value.
0: Yeah, but see, if you remember, Doran is actually a symmetrical effect. So Goyf's right. trade.
1: This is or, not, though.
0: Exactly. So the point saying. is, yeah, your 6-7 Tarmagoyf is strictly better than their 6-7 Tarmagoyf. So. I like that. Does that that's, that's a plus. Your Deathrite Romans are 2-2s. Two you Stoneforge Mystics. Yeah, your Dark Corpons are a little worse. Whatever. Right? So that that seems okay. Is it worth four slots in the deck with just this ability? Probably not.
1: Again, you know? I would call that card 61 or 62.
0: But let's read the other abilities. Green. Colin. Target creature with Defender can attack this turn as though it didn't have de- Defender. Okay. So that means basically this is like Rolling Stones for one green. So basically, walls can attack. Because there's not... Like, I mean, there are cards with Defender, but a lot of them are walls. And I'm going to call them walls, so too bad. But a lot, if you notice, a lot of the walls have very large toughnesses and small powers. So if I can make, say, a Living Wall, or say Wall of Junk, a 0-7, right? For two mana. Suddenly it swings for seven? For one green? I find that okay.
1: The most obvious use of this, again, looking at existing decks, would be Wall of Roots and giving yourself an awesome mana advantage while having an effectively 5-5. Yeah,
0: or even 4-4 if you've used it once. 4-4 is nothing to sneeze at either.
1: Certainly. And then, you know, this is, I think, the type of ability that could potentially lead to, like, a Tier 2 Defenders deck. Mm-hmm. With, like, I mean play like this, um, Wall of Roots, Wall of Omens... Uh, wall of Blossoms co- for card draw? Yeah, and just uh, have a bunch of value and then let them swing in for five a turn. And
0: Yeah, and they make really good blockers, right? So, I mean, even if you're not activating the defender, you use some as, as on defense, some on offense. Like, that seems okay.
1: Can you imagine, like, turn two, Wall of Roots. Turn three, Assault Formation Activate. Your opponent just went from, huh, Wall of Roots, sweet, to, oh shit.
0: <laughs> yes. Like... I mean, I guess Abrupt Decay is, still, is always going to be a card, so there's nothing you can do. But, like, I obviously just want to play, like, Wall of Junk in a Junk deck. And just be like, Swing 4-7, get you. Like, that's if you don't know Wall of Junk, I'm pretty maybe it's an EDH card, I don't know. It's, it's a card I opened up back in the day.
1: Wall of Junk, 2 mana. Artifact Creature, 0-7. Whenever Wall of Junk blocks, return it to its owner's hand at the end of combat.
0: So, obviously, when it's a 7-7, seven seven, you're not doing a whole ton of blocking. Unless you really need to, so
1: it's also so. a two mana seven seven.
0: Yeah, which is it's a
1: termagoid that's a seven seven on turn two.
0: Yeah, so I'm I might be okay with this. The third ability is two to green colon creatures you control get plus zero plus one until end of turn. So effectively, this is your creatures get plus one plus one until end of turn. Thoughts? I mean, I think three mana is a lot. I don't think I'm I'm going to like want to sit there with this on board and be like, oh yeah, pump my toughness by.
1: Where this seems awesome I think is if you've got like two wall of roots and now you're paying green give your wall of roots minus 1 minus 1 repump them but also pump the rest of the team.
0: Yeah. That seems fine or like in response to a wipe your wipe your 11s out, right? Like so say lingering souls, right? Well, if they're all 11s for 3, then suddenly all of a sudden they're all basically 21s. Are you playing
1: two-twos. this in a deck with many 11s though? Maybe not. I, I think where you're activating this ability more frequently is against Pyroclasm.
0: But my point still remains.
1: Yeah. Uh, so this makes me want to give you some homework and say that by the time we publish this, you should write up a rudimentary walls deck list.
0: I can do that. All right. Next.
1: This is another one you asked to put on there. So uh, Display of Dominance. Go ahead and read it for us.
0: All right. Display of Dominance. Shitty art 101. <laughs> one in a green, uncommon, instant. So... Two modes. Mode one, destroy target blue or black non-creature permanent. So let's discuss that. So what are some blue or black non-creature permanents in Legacy? Well,
1: counterbalance, but being two mana is going to be a little rough on this card.
0: Okay, so let's put it on the list. Counterbalance, Liliana the Veil, Chase the Mind Sculptor. Narset? (laughs) Sure, Narset. Omniscience.
1: Are there that many blue and black enchantments uh, i i suppose um animate dead anime animate dead that's that's real uh A one of that's really reaching for it in terms of this being good though
0: yeah however there are some i mean are there any hate cards that are target black or blue non-creature opponents i mean engineered plague threads of dissolution i mean there are some definite ant playables
1: i think at this mana cost you're better off for the most part probably just playing Abrupt Decay. There's a few cases where you're not which is where you're playing against cards that you know cost a million but I think most of the time Abrupt Decay is going to do this job a little better.
0: Yeah, so the, I think the only cases where Abrupt Decay isn't doing the job is I mean this only targets non-creatures I think if it were destroy Target Black or Blue permanent, I think that could be a problem.
1: That would That would be Pyroblast that can hit one other thing, not in red.
0: Yes. So I think that would be a little too, that would be maybe pushing it too far, but a two mana, it's still fine. Maybe we'll see. Point being, it kills. I think. I think what you really have to think about is that it kills both Liliana and Jace, but more importantly, Jace the Mind Sculptor in this color. So it's an instant speed spell. Let me repeat that. It's an instant speed spell that kills Jace the Mind Sculptor. The problem with a lot of these decks, especially green decks that are not playing red, is they play Jace the Mind Sculptor and they go brainstorm. And sure, you might have Maelstrom Pulse, you might have whatever in hand, but in that Brainstorm, they will have drawn an answer to your answer.
1: Or they don't go Brainstorm, they go Bounce, and you're never able to effectively keep a threat on board for the rest of the game.
0: Exactly. And that's never, never fun. So, okay, so destroying Jace before they get a chance to draw cards is pretty important. Um, Destroying Jace in general, and Instant Speed, because what were your options before? Beast Within? Like... I'm just trying to think of like instant speed, destroy target, chase.
1: Yeah, in green, not in, not much.
0: In, in not red.
1: In not red. Yeah, not a lot.
0: Not uh, not a hell of a lot. We're we're kind of we're kind of dry there. So okay, that's the first mode. Second mode: permanents you control can't be targets of blue or black spells your opponents control this turn. So what are some blue or black spells that your opponents could play? Sam?
1: Uh, The big thing I'm thinking of is uh, when playing against a big blue deck that, instead of having removal, is going to have lots of bounce to attempt to shove their way through.
0: Yeah, so cards like that could be Repeal, Chain of Vapor... Echoing Truth. Echoing Truth. Uh, Unfortunately can't do anything against the old, uh...
1: Hercules Recall can't do anything against, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, There's, there's, there's a few cards that get through this.
1: I think uh, one important thing to note, as this is an instant, effectively what you're going to probably do with this is use it as a counterspell. You're not going to go like, oh, and I'll give my stuff protection. You're going to say, oh, you echoing truth? I will effectively counter that.
0: Yeah. So this is, I think this is interesting for the few cases where basically your opponent is not playing wipe away, But like against Omnitel. So let, let, let's look at this card in kind of maybe that perspective first. Like, it kills Omniscience? It uh, stops a Slaughter Pact or a, an Echoing Truth. It doesn't stop Wipe Away, fine. But you could also, if they cunning wish, you can go Response, Display of Dominance, your, like, say, Lock Piece, which is, example, Gateteed. So then what are they doing? Well, are they waiting another turn? Yeah, if, but if you need a turn, then maybe that's all you need.
1: I think everything you've listed is fine, but it's just fine. It's fine at its best.
0: Ah, but we forgot that one spell that's played a lot. You just talked about it. Abrupt Decay. So against, in the Abrupt Decay mirror, I what
1: do you, you, you want to saying. do?
0: You want to stop Abrupt Decay, because Abrupt Decay real good. And you don't have any misdirection effects, generally, when you're playing these mirror matches. I mean, sure, like if it's Bug versus Junk or Bug versus Jund, and neither of those decks has, they're not playing Divert. Or at least they're not playing a lot of Divert. So what do you do? Well they abrupt decay your Wife, and then they have Wife, and that's real awkward. But if you can blank a piece of removal, like that's there's nothing wrong with that. You get to kill their Liliana, you know, whatever that may be. I think it's really interesting. I think I don't think it's the best card ever printed. Certainly. I just think I just think it has play and it does answer it does fill a fill a gap that this color has been looking for, which is instant speed jace destruction.
1: All right. Interesting. Yeah, no, uh, it's not a color combination I play a lot. Uh, one of my thoughts when you say, you know, protecting your goif is for the same amount of mana you could just play a second one, but then you worry if, you know, there are in bug, they could counter it or, you know, you can't have eight termogyoifs.
0: Well, I, you can, but then you're <laughs> cheating, so. So, I would say this is a unlikely to see widespread play might see it a little bit. All right. I mean, what about uh, or sorry, one last word. Like, what about infect, right? Infect always worries about you know, keeping their one or two guys on board, and abrupt decay is always a huge problem, right? Because if you just like abrupt decay their guy, and you don't have vines of vastwood, or if you have to waste vines of vastwood on your turn to try and counter it, maybe that's no good.
1: So, vines of vastwood, like number five, yeah, essentially,
0: maybe. Also, this art is fucking awful. I'm going to say <laughs> it one more time: look at it; it's garbage. I, it, I'm pretty sure if I were to get this card and play it a lot, I might get altered copies of it because I don't care what language you're pimping in. This just looks like shit. Right,
1: Absolute garbage. So I'm looking at the face. Looks like how Disney would have animated a Middle Eastern person any time before like 2000.
0: Um, big trouble in like Little China.
1: Fa- fangs, Blackbeard. All right, then he's got like some sort of hat kind- on that has the horns that are stylized. Like, um... Nicol Yeah. He's wearing kind of like the kind of outfit that the three ninjas were wearing in those excellent films from my childhood. And then his skin is... Like tiger, tiger skin.
0: Yeah. So, like, wh- I don't even know what's going on here, but... Or it looks like...
1: And he's no. throwing pink goo from Ghostbusters 2 at a guy with a knife in his hand.
0: Who also has tiger skin arm bands something like like the only thing was like low pan from like big trouble in little china kind of was my like initial like thought process when i saw this card
1: all right let's move on before before we offend a whole bunch of our listeners all right next graceblade artisan graceblade artisan two and a white creature human monk human always a nice subtype to be two three it gets plus two plus two for all auras attached to it I'm sorry, for each aura attached to it.
0: I'm okay. Um, I'm okay. So a two, three for three is not great. Let's, let's, let's be real. There are better power toughnesses for that cost.
1: Obviously you're playing this with a bunch of auras. Um, In legacy, think back three or four years, blouses. Yep, blouses. But this has no protection, which is going to be real rough when you go to equip and they bolt this, or when you go to enchant and they bolt this
0: yeah or they just abrupt decay you into oblivion and you lose all those ores anyway and like,
1: then there's a blouses-esque deck in modern isn't there
0: maybe that's the <laughs> fucking daybreak Hornet. coronet
1: fifty dollars or something
0: yeah sure i don't think it's terrible like sure you get to like what am i going to put on imperial armor like ugh, i don't know i just don't see this card being
1: if it were to see if it were to be played it would be in a deck like that i don't think a deck like that's going to happen
0: and I don't think that like this is the card they were looking for for like oh my god wizards printed this card thank god no whatever like I like it it's flavorful it's not legacy playable
1: all right um here's a real fun one hedonist trove that's hedonist apostrophe s my text did you say
0: that. hedonist
1: John, what is it a Zombie?
0: the chocolate frosting yeah
1: five black black enchantment
0: bad so that's what i that's what i thought when i first saw this card so it better like it better win me the game basically is what. well
1: I when hedonist's trove enters the battlefield exile all cards from target opponent's graveyard
0: okay so um lead line of the void i don't like that like so what i get the rest in peace ability or like slash and they don't get to have a graveyard cool all right so that ability is garbage uh
1: you may play land cards exiled with hedonist's trove
0: I'm at 7 mana, that doesn't win me the game, alright?
1: You may cast non-land cards, exiled with Hedonist's Trove. You can't cast more than one spell this way each turn. So each turn, you can cast one of the spells that you exiled.
0: So I get to play the lands that they had, and then I get to cast their spells. So, I still don't win.
1: This is obviously a very powerful effect. Uh, The reason I wanted to bring this up is, on the So Many Insane Plays podcast, they talked about this. This would obviously be nuts at a much lower cost. The question yeah. is, where What's is the cost? C- where's the cost where this is okay to exist, but not, like, restrictable?
0: Okay, so let's think about it. So, like, if the cost is too low, like, say this is a one-mana card, like, you wouldn't want to play it on turn one because they have no graveyard. You don't get, like, there's no value in I, it. I, th-
1: I think you can't start lower than three.
0: I agree. I think, like, one black-black or even black-black-black is excellent. So, the only thing is this. You have to remember this is not a continuous effect, right? It just basically it takes a snapshot of their graveyard at that current time and says, now play from these. So they can still refill up their graveyard, but if you're playing, if you were to play four of these, well then, yeah, obviously then you get the next. I think three mana is... Would you play it in Legacy? Like...
1: I don't know about Legacy. Where I'm, where I'm thinking about this vintage. in Vintage is you turn off their Yawgmoth's Will Turn, or you turn it off if they're preparing for one. Uh, if they've gifts, if they have before uh, before your turn ends and you have the ability to cast this, you get to take you get to put the best cards in their gifts pile in the yeah. graveyard, and then you get to have them. That's fantastic.
0: Like, what's the? I just think like four, seven mana, way too much. Three mana, playable.
1: Well, the other interesting thing is, I think three mana. It depends how that mana is arranged because if that's like. Black and two, that's pretty nice. Well, but at the same time, this can be so easily countered by instant speed delve. Like, yes, I play dig, Hedonist dig, Trove. Dig okay, in response, I'm going to empty my graveyard, and you will have a dig through time that you can play with.
0: Mm. Yeah, okay, that's a good counterpoint. But, like, I think if you're assuming that they're always going to have to dig through time to counter the Hedonist Trove, maybe you're wrong. So I think maybe making this. One black black, like a Phyrexian Arena mana cost, or a Liliana mana cost. Hey, Man, you know fair. where this
1: gets real nuts is uh, when they're playing Gush and you're playing Fast Bond and you get to add a fifth Gush to your deck.
0: Oof. Oof. Okay, I'm okay with that.
1: Or if you countered through Yawgmoth's Will and then you get to Yawgmoth's Will with their Yawgmoth's Will?
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think we agree that three mana becomes very playable. Four mana? I think in Legacy I don't want this at four mana. Like again, I hold the standard of like, are you jacing? Are you seed rhinoing? Like what are you what are you doing to affect the game state?
1: So I have an idea where this could go at four mana, but it's not good, and that's if you played a deck that's like fifty percent like Pox, where you're just ripping apart their hand, and then you just use their win conditions to end the game.
0: Interesting thought process.
1: I mean like you go like Thought Sees You, get a Delver him you, get a couple things, You know, maybe him you again, or hit you with Hypnotic Specter, and then once I've got a few things built up there, alright, uh, I'll start taking those back one at a time, and just slowly kill you with your own guys. Which, uh, probably not going to be very good, it'll be really fun though.
0: Yeah, I mean the name is pretty great, like, I would have preferred Hedonism Bot, and I think if I were, like, really all in on playing this card, like, there's definitely a Hedonism Bot Alter um, with with
1: The name combined with the art on this card is fantastic.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like this, like,
1: it's basically one of the treasure rooms from Aladdin, with two guys carrying the treasure and a giant dragon in the background, like, yes, this is my treasure.
0: Like, excuse me, what you doing here?
1: Uh, like, just, that treasure That treasure goes over there.
0: Uh, the dragon, this treasure goes in this corner. Like, the, I think the line for the dragon could be like, excuse me, I haven't finished vomiting yet.
1: <laughs> no, and the treasure needs to go in that corner. It's better feng shui. So... At, at seven mana, I mean, you're probably having to show and tell this in, and if you're show and telling this in, instead of Grizzlebrand, or Emrakul, or Sneak Attack, or Omniscience...
0: I mean, I think just pushing black enchantments would be interesting, like, black doesn't have a lot going for it in a lot of formats, except for, like, the few powerful cards. Like, in Vintage, why do you play black? Because of Yogwill, because of Vamp Tutor, because of Demonic Tutor, maybe you're still playing and Tendrils Boots. of Agony. And Tendrils are, like. But you don't have a coherent game plan. Those are just like I splash black for good things. And
1: Bob, the control decks have black for a little more stuff like dark confidant, uh, dreadbore, uh, leyline of the void. Being but in castable. general, like it's
0: not a primary color that you're like I'm building a black deck with.
1: Yeah, blue you certainly splash. don't stop. It don't start
0: in black. Yeah. So anyway, I think this card is too much and will not see play at this mana cost.
1: But yeah, wanted to talk about it. It's a super interesting effect. Yeah, I agree. Great to see them pushing things. This would obviously be completely nutty in a format like EDH, where you're getting up to a zillion mana and everybody's casting completely insane cards.
0: Yeah, I guess if I... I mean, people who enjoy EDH, go for it.
1: Let's not get on that today.
0: Yeah, I think if you enjoy EDH, this would probably be a great card for you. Moving on.
1: (laughs) All right, Living Lore.
0: So it is a four-mana creature that looks like... I don't know. Let's like say it's toilet three, and a, paper three over... and a blue, not just four mana. Let's... Yeah, it's three and a blue. It's a star star. It's a creature avatar. The art is toilet paper in the wind over a tree.
1: It looks like something from Burning Man.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, All
1: right, uh, let's read it. As living lore enters the battlefield, exile an instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. Well, that should be easy to do in blue. Living Lore's power and toughness are each equal to the exiled card's converted mana cost. All right, that can get really nuts really fast. Yeah, so when living Lore... it's not Brainstorm,
0: it's okay.
1: Yeah, if it's, not, if it's Brainstorm, it's okay. If it's Dig Through Time, it's nuts. Yeah. Whenever Living Lore deals combat damage, you may sacrifice it. If you do, you may cast the exiled card without paying its mana cost.
0: So what's your low end? Your low end is obviously bricking for some reason, and hitting nothing.
1: Well, you're not casting this if you're hitting nothing.
0: Well, no, say they, like, on the stack, like, Nihil Spellbomb you, like, yeah, okay, that's obviously the dirt. Well,
1: if they have Nihil Spellbomb, just it's already in play, so you uh, probably aren't going really into
0: it. Ravenous Trap. Whatever, fuck you, Sam. Like Ravenous you know what Trap?
1: I'm, what have you been doing putting three cards in the graveyard before this that you have a million mana?
0: <laughs> anyway, point being, so what's, the, like, your low end is obviously Brainstorm or something, a 1-1, where it becomes no good. What's your high end? Dig through time.
1: Probably dig through time. So then the question is kind of a mix of where is the line for when you want to cast? Like uh, if they have a spell that is almost but not quite a gonna kill you spell, do you sacrifice it and like say dig through time or treasure cruise or brainstorm? Or, I'm talking more about the high-end cards like, uh, yeah. Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time. Or, do you just keep beating them with a really big guy from like, 4 mana?
0: Yeah, like, it seems like, at least in my mind, you can't abrupt decay this, so you're source of plowsharing it, and if you play your cards right, this thing is never getting bolted. So, because I assume you're gonna be playing this in a deck with, like, multiple either Dig Through Times or something relevant so that you're not dying to, like, you're not, like, exiling abrupt decay so I have a fucking 2-2, like, big deal.
1: Another important thing, this does not have to deal combat damage to a player. It just has to get chump blocked or chump block. You can do this in in their turn.
0: But again, ideally, you go with dig through time, you have a fucking 8-8, and then you're like, oh.
1: You're feeling real good.
0: You're feeling real good, and then you're like, oh, my 8-8 can't get through. Okay, well, you know, fuck your chump blocker, and then I'm just going to, like, deal damage dig through time. Like, okay.
1: Yeah, I wanted, but I wanted to bring this up because this has the potential to open a lot of really interesting lines of play. When you have to start comparing some less powerful cards, like when this is a one-one, do you just immediately crack it to brainstorm, or do you chip away at their life total? Obviously, it depends on what they've got going on.
0: Yeah, and that could really depend. Like, say they have an open board for a few turns, and you're like one you, one you, one you, and then they're like, "Oh, I have Mistress Factory." Oh, fuck. Okay, well, I'm just going to run it into you anyway, and then we get to brainstorm.
1: And let's talk about also, if you've got something that will wrath their board, they're never going to attack into it. Like, if they're playing a young Pyromancer deck and you've got Pyroclasm on this guy, they're not going to attack you.
0: What if you, okay, think of it this way. I don't think you'd want to play it, but, okay, you Terminus. You cast Living Lore, so it's a 6-6, you beat in, and at some point you're like, oh, they just, like, muck me next turn, attack Terminus. Like, I'm I would be okay with that. Like, Terminus is also not a bad, not a bad call there.
1: So the way you're describing it, uh, it sounds like this is a potential thing. Maybe like could be played as like another finisher in a Miracles deck.
0: Yeah, I like
1: because you're gonna you're gonna be putting Terminus into the graveyard real early in that, or I mean, early relative to the game
0: plan. In, of that in a lot of matchups where you're wanting to Terminus, like, like I don't think the Elves matchup is bad at all. Don't get me wrong, but like, say the creature. Mid rangey matchup. And they remove they board out the removal, and you board in a Living Lore. I don't think this is ideal, don't get me wrong, but you cast Living Lore, removing the Terminus, it's a 6-6. Well, midrange.deck probably remove their source of plowshares. Oh, now it's a 6-6, great. So they start to overextend, because they have to, because it's a 6-6, and then all of a sudden you, like, bust it, and you Terminus them, and set them back again. And, if it's... I mean, you have to sacrifice it, but... Whatever. Another
1: point, if uh, if you're using a lower-end spell like Lightning Bolt or Swords to Plowshares against a deck that has lots of little dudes, like uh, like Elves, uh, a to- any kind of deck, playing lots of tokens, Death and Taxes, you're going to be able to two-for-one them in that you're going to, when you want to block, sacrifice, swords, or bolt another dude, taking the guy that you blocked with you.
0: Yeah. I think, he, again, I think this is one of those cards where I'm like, wow, this like took a lot of like design... This is interesting in a design sense. Whether it's actually good enough is off for debate, right?
1: Yeah. Well, that's what we're here for. We're here to debate it.
0: I think I would try it. I don't think it fills any particular slot well enough. Like, it doesn't improve a matchup in a lot of the decks that I'm at least thinking of off the top of my head. Maybe in, like, a bug mid range deck where you're, like, a singular living lore. Maybe my dig through time. Maybe I get to live the dream. Like, who knows? Yeah. Yeah
1: sounds good all right um move on again Yep. uh the third in a recent series of grow creatures myth realized not actually a creature interestingly let's uh go through it real quick myth realized is one white enchantment
0: so so overall that's that's like i see this is playable it's one mana
1: (laughs) yeah this is our it's already on the radar it's a one mana rare it's probably a little okay uh, okay. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put a lore counter on Myth Realized. So that's effectively prowess.
0: Yep. So then two and a white, colon, You can also that also puts a lore counter on it. So say end of turn, I have some mana kicking around, I can load this thing up with tokens. So that seems okay.
1: And then one white, until end of turn, Myth Realized, becomes a monk avatar creature in addition to its other types and gains this creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of lore counters on it. Initially... Well, and one of the things here, you're, you're looking at casting this turn one, playing a bunch of cantrips, and then effectively having a monastery mentor that doesn't create tokens, but they—it's much harder to remove.
0: Yeah. So the only thing that I think about it is like this: sure, at some point this thing becomes a five-five-six-six, six, whatever, and then you attack with it. But in game one, like all the removal on it is live. They can just decay it when you choose to activate it. Uh, they can source the plowshares that once it becomes active. Like it dies to a-
1: enchantment removal, which is additional removal that it ties to. It also in vintage it can get misstepped because it's at one.
0: Yeah, so I think it's I think it's really tough to say that. Like, so okay, if it had shroud, is it playable? Sure, yeah, obviously.
1: Essentially, if it were more difficult to remove,
0: but currently it's really not.
1: So I, I want to mention I said that I played in a sealed event res- uh, the other day. I played Myth Realize, and let me tell you, playing Myth Realize on turn one—granted, that's a much lower uh, power level format. Man, it felt real good, especially in, like you know, turn one Myth Realize, turn two there's a almost forked bolt, turn three negate, turn four start killing you.
0: Yeah, so I mean, if you're playing this in a not very threat heavy deck, and you're just using a lot of like say, cantrips and removal spells, like this thing will get big quickly. And then if you have enough counterspells in your deck, you're just, like, countering that removal. Unfortunately, like in Legacy, Abrupt Decay, Abrupt Decay, Abrupt Decay. Uh, Out of the board, like, uh, Wear Tear, more Abrupt Decay, crossing Grip, Pithing. Like, there's a lot of cards that hit this, and I'm not sure it's good enough. I know the Miracles thread was talking about it, and it was quickly dismissed.
1: Well, and I think the, the reason that a lot of control decks are talking about it is because a lot of control decks, their turn one play is generally something like a cantrip. So this just is land go. So this is doing something on the first turn. It's being a little more proactive. I think where I find this really interesting is in land still, where you play this turn one, yes, you play standstill turn two, and you can just just keep pumping it up every turn. You know, oh, you didn't do anything this turn because you don't want me to ancestral recall. I'll put a token on it. I'll yeah, I agree. I it.
0: agree in that sense that like it survives sweepers. Like you just like oh, supreme verdict. Great, all your stuff dies. I'm still sitting here getting tokens. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that.
1: I think the problem this would have potentially being played in Vintage is that with Young Pyromancer and Monastery Mentor running around now, there's a lot more actual creature removal, especially in the form of Swords to Plowshares, which is creature removal that will always be able to hit this when it's a creature. Whereas, you know, Bolt, if they do any, if it's a 3-3, they, they Bolt and you're like, oh, Brainstorm, oh, your Bolt didn't doesn't kill it.
0: Yeah, I... It's also, I mean, it doesn't have any evasion, so, like, if there's a lot of tokens kicking around, it's like, ooh, you're 8 8 Myth Realized. Great, chump with elemental, kill you on the backswing.
1: Both of those things bring up the point that the grow creatures in the last couple years, which is mostly, you know, Monastery Mentor and Young Pyromancer, they grow wide, not just large, because growing large doesn't help you when they can chump block every turn or when they have a removal spell that hits one card.
0: Yeah, like, if they had, like, if this had, like, Thorn Elemental ability, like, or Trample, or even, like, Flying, or whatever. If this was, like, Thorn Elemental, like, so, like, it can be blocked, but it just deals all its damage to the player if you wanted to, like, that would be pretty, pretty good. But it doesn't, so...
1: Another but- another problem it will have in Vintage is being an enchantment. There, pe- there is enchantment hate in uh, in Vintage because of Oath of Druids. So there's, there's a lot of ways to get rid of this, which is the concern about uh, whether or not it'll be playable. I'm definitely going to try it, because uh, it has the ability to get real nuts. The fact that it is only a creature on the turn you want it to be means that Jace can't bounce it, means most sweepers are sorceries, though they won't take care of it. Uh, so it's got a lot of upside, uh, especially in terms of them not being able to able to take care of it, especially in in vintage where there's not that much removal. Like I talked a lot about it being easily removed, but there's not that much removal.
0: I mean, in legacy, I think there's a lot more. Certainly. So overall, possible.
1: Possible. Another point is at one white and then starting to grow. I think the default thing to think about would be a tempo deck. But you don't want to play in it with a tempo deck that burns one white to make its creature, especially if you need to block, so now you're burning a white on each, you know, on the top and bottom of every turn. And if you want to grow the thing manually, it costs three mana. That's a lot in the type of deck we're talking about.
0: Yeah. All right, do we want to move on to the next
1: one? I'll definitely be trying it. What do you think, though? How much, uh, how much do you think we'll be seeing of Myth Realized?
0: In Legacy, not much. I think the only deck that has a very good shot of breaking this is Landstill, like for the reasons you discussed All right, good because it slides nicely under Standstill.
1: Well, especially not only does it slide under Standstill, you're, anytime that Standstill is not on board, you're going to be casting a lot of spells because you've probably just drawn three or you've been draw going for several turns. Exactly. So yeah, definitely, definitely uh, playable. Maybe not going to see a lot of play though. All right, Uh, Virulent Plague, two and a black, enchantment, creature tokens get minus two, minus two. The obvious utility is, again, interestingly, we've been very vintage-heavy in the discussion so far, is that this completely stops both Monastery Mentor tokens and Young Pyromancer tokens. It also stops Spirit tokens that uh, Oath is going to be giving you.
0: Yeah, so what card also has this kind of ability? Well, uh, Illness in the Ranks. So, illness is actually one black, but the all creature tokens get minus one, minus one. So, the question is, when do you want minus two, minus two? So, minus one, minus one matters in that every token that's relevant right now, Lingering Souls, uh, Monastery Mentor, uh, Young Pyromancer, they're all one-one tokens. Now, obviously, the, the Mentor tokens have prowess, but and in turn, that, those, the prowess will go away. They will die. So, I'm wondering, like, do you need minus two, minus two?
1: I don't think so. I'm trying to think of where you would want this. Now, one interesting point is there are a few other tokens in uh, in Legacy and Vintage. The big one is Batterskull, and having Batterskull permanently be a 2-2 is not irrelevant.
0: No, I agree. I mean, it's not irrelevant, but it's not...
1: It's not great either.
0: I think for 3-mana, it's a little much. I think if this were 2-mana, maybe I'd say, oh, sure. But it still doesn't hit, like, a lot of stuff, especially, like... Especially in Legacy, like, what is it? It's not hitting all of the normal creatures, right? I mean, more normal creatures are played more so than tokens. And yeah, there's can...
1: there's not a lot of tokens. Um, the other, besides batter skull, the other most common token type is probably Angels, which are 4-4s. Four and again, that's not irrelevant, because turning their 3 or 4 four fours 4s into 2-2s two is going to buy you an extra turn or 2 or maybe 3.
0: It doubles their clock, essentially. They have to do twice as many attacks to get the same amount of damage in the question is, would I rather, for the majority of the time, just do it at one mana? And I think the answer is generally yes. Where do you want minus two, minus two? Zombie tokens out of, like, Dredge. Garruk Relentless produces 2-2 uh, two, two tokens uh, when not flipped. Primal Hunter produces 3-3 three, three beasts, I think. Like, there's a few times when you produce bigger tokens.
1: I think Dredge is, in both formats, is the most relevant of those.
0: Yeah, so the question is, do you want to spend three mana doing that, though? Like... I, I don't know.
1: Probably not. Yeah. I you're probably, at, at, at two and a black, you're probably better off Engineered Plague and running two of them and and playing both of them.
0: Right. Like, like most of the time Zell's Persecution is going to do you just fine. I mean, obviously not the same as in response to the prowess trigger you still getting fucked. But, you know, my point still stands. I'd rather have Illness in the ranks, and how much do I want Illness in the ranks? Not that much.
1: Alright. And then I've got one last card here. Sure. Um, I'm going to go ahead and admit this is pretty borderline. Zergo Bellstriker. 1 red. It is a legendary creature, orc warrior. 2-2. Two, two. It cannot block creatures with power 2 or greater. It has dash for 1 and a red, which is haste and it can attack immediately, but then you bounce it. So my question was, would you rather play this as a 2-2, two, two, it not have haste, but also not give them the card from Goblin Guide all the time.
0: Hmm. I don't know.
1: Its, its drawback is that, in that, com- in that comparison, the drawback is n- not immediate damage, but over the course of a game, Goblin Guide is going to give them two or three or four cards. I think you also have to weigh the value of the knowledge that you gain of the top of their deck.
0: I like knowledge. Like, I don't think this guy is actually that good, because, like, Can't block Creature's Power 2 or Greater, so fine, yeah, he's not chump blocking. Does blocking a 1-1 matter? Uh, maybe.
1: Was Goblin Guide blocking a whole lot, though?
0: No, he wasn't. He could. Like, if he could, that's the whole point, right? But you're all about getting in there. He doesn't have haste on turn 1, though. That's the problem. Like, you're playing him and then passing. You have to go turn 2, get you. So, in a way, like, how are you using your mana effectively? Because if you play this guy on turn 1 right he doesn't have haste so then you pass so with goblin guide you could have done two damage when you get to your second turn you have to play this guy so you're dealt four damage with goblin guide and you dealt two damage with this guy whether or not you played him for his dash cost or if you just do you know what i mean
1: sure but you're only talking about the first two turns when you go over you know three or four or five turns the difference becomes much smaller
0: but in a burn spell like i want to be using my mana like I want to like if I'm going to play a creature, I want to set it and forget it, right? Like, I want to just be like creature. Use my mana on the next turn for either more creatures or more burn spells. And have well, like, And I'm
1: not talking about dashing. this. So I'm talking about putting this into play turn one. Oh. and just not attacking on the first turn.
0: Oh, sorry. I think he's fine. I don't know if he's. I like the information from Goblin Guide, though.
1: Okay. But yeah, I, I, I think I think, I think I, the information is more valuable than the fact that they're gaining lands. Yeah, I don't think I, I think ever the two won a game. I think the two damage is like the difference in the two damage is actually less relevant than the information gained from Goblin Guide.
0: Yeah, like I don't think I've ever actually won a game against Burn solely on the back of like their Goblin Guide drew me into the land that I needed to beat them. It was usually I was either blown out by their Burn spells and just like locked out that way, or. I won because I'm like, oh, turn three timely reinforcements. I just set back, like, your three turns of trying to do stuff. Have fun. Like, do you know what I mean? I just don't think this does quite enough, and the information is, I think, really good to know.
1: All right, fair enough. Yeah, that was just, that was one more borderline. It's, uh, In fact, when you look at Mythic Spoiler, they compare it to other cards, and the first one listed is Goblin Guide. Wow.
0: Uh, moving on to one that I want to discuss... Uh, I think, which are not really playable in Legacy or Vintage. The, dr- the dragons. So, the dra- specifically, the dragon lords. So, there's basically allied colors. A bunch of different ones. They range from powers of, like, three up to eight, and toughnesses ranging from four to eight. They're big dumb beaters. They cost anywhere from between five and seven. I don't think we're seeing... I don't think there's anything relevant in basically all of them.
1: A lot of them do have relevant abilities, but being six mana, there are much better things you could be doing.
0: Yeah, so, like, I'd like to go through each of the dragons and, like, say, like, why this is no good. So, like...
1: Okay, all of them cost, like, five.
0: Yeah, so that's the first (laughs) thing. So, Jermoka is the green-white. So, like, we'll call call it Maverick Dragon, right? Can't be countered. Okay. You know, you play Thrun. You play Thrun because... You know, Thrun can't be countered. Great. Wonderful. So that's a good ability. Five-seven. Also good power-toughness combo. Wonderful. Flying and lifelink. Evasion, lifelink, five life a turn. Hey, I'm okay with that. Your opponents can't cast spells during your turn. What would they be casting? Terminus. Great. I've avoided Terminus.
1: Uh, Removal and counter spells.
0: Yeah. So that's good. You know what's also really cool is when they source the plowshares on their turn. and you fucking die in a fire. It's
1: a a minor tempo difference.
0: Yeah, so the minor tempo difference for the control deck, they don't give a shit. Um, Can't be countered is relevant, but not having protection is super relevant, especially when you're investing so much in a creature. If this head could not be countered hexproof, I'd be in on this card like you could not believe. Thoughts?
1: Uh, Yeah, like I said, all the abilities that these have are pretty relevant, but six mana is just so much.
0: Like I said, at hexproof or even shroud so I can't attach some equipment to it. I'll I'll let you I'll let you have that. Okay? At shroud, I'll play this card for six mana because she basically replaces or he it dragon replaces um dragon's of gender. I don't know. Anyway, this dragon would replace Sigarda in a green white X control deck.
1: Yeah, and not a lot of Sigarda.
0: No, that like, I've seen uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, I'm one of the only people playing Sigarda. So, anyway. Moving on to the next one, Sam.
1: Uh, Dragon Lord Ajutai. Three white blue. Five four. It's, again, it's an Elder Dragon, which is neat. Flying. It has hexproof as long as it's untapped. Kind of hard to know how valuable that is, given that a five four probably wants to be tapped a lot.
0: Yeah. Whenever...
1: Whenever Dragonlord Ajutai, I'm certain I'm pronouncing that wrong, deals combat damage to a player, look at the top three cards of your library, put one of them into your hand, and the rest on bottom of In Any Order, which is Anticipate from this set, or Very Slightly Worse Impulse. Yeah. So, again, like, Hexproof, great. Flying 5-4, great. Looking at the top three cards every turn, Except when
0: you're attacking to get the ability. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs>
1: and also, five mana.
0: Yeah, no. So, I actually really like Dragonlord Silumgar, or whatever his name is, because he has Tasigur around his neck as a necklace.
1: There, I've already seen somebody's making something like that necklace on Etsy.
0: So that's like, you know what, I don't care what el- what else happens, like, that's pretty cool. It doesn't mean it's playable, though, because it's certainly not. Flying Death Touch 3-5 for four in Demir colors. When it enters the battlefield, gain control of target creature or planeswalker for as long as you control Solongar. So, like, the chances of you stealing a Jace the Mind Sculptor are, I'm gonna say, near zero? Like, I guess, like, you have to win the lottery sometime, and, like, they, your opponent has straight nothing. And
1: your opponent has been brainstorming and not hitting something to take care of you playing this guy.
0: And I guess at that point, Llanowar Elves wins the game. But, yeah, I guess you get to play this too. Like, this is, this is Okay. Overall, like, if you want to live the dream, you play this card. Because 3-5 flying death touch is, like, is pretty whatever for 6 mana. And you maybe get to steal a Planeswalker if they don't have a piece of removal nor a counterspell. Like, yeah, sure. Okay,
1: I I can think of one spot where you might like this. Okay, where? In the decks where people are playing cards where their show-and-tell matchup plan is to show-and-tell in that card. And a lot of those tend to be steal or copy effects. This is a really nice steal effect if you're not paying for it. Because you know if they show and tell again, you have death touch.
0: Yeah, okay, so that's that's true. Like, it's not metamorph, it's not like an awkward thing like that. It's actually like, 3-5, steal your guy, flying death touch. And that deck probably doesn't have a bunch of removal to remove this guy. Okay, one very slight... it's That's
1: real marginal...
0: I think it's real marginal. I think I would rather most of the time play Gilded Drake or or just kill them before they show in town. I don't know. So moving on. Dragonlord Kolagan. I'm gonna go with
1: Kolagon. To... Kola since gone. Con- since it was cons of Tarkir.
0: Cans of Tarkir. Anyway, um four black red. So again, six mana. Six five? Flying oh, that's haste. Nice. Okay. Oh,
1: haste! So, Very nice.
0: Six six mana haste, six five. Seems okay. Like it's not legacy playable. That's legacy playable, in, like four. But okay, let's 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 move on. Other creatures you control have haste. Sweet.
1: Not bad. Okay. I, I already want to play black red EDH with this guy. Uh,
0: yeah. um, <laughs> whenever an opponent casts a creature or planeswalker spell with the same name as a card in his or her graveyard. That player loses how many life? 10. Wow. So in EDH, because it is a singleton format as you may know. It's
1: not going to be happening.
0: Yeah, that doesn't matter. Like
1: it, it's interesting <sighs> that they chose to make Elder Dragons and then gave one of them an ability that reads this does nothing in EDH. I think that's strange cuz in general when you have when they print a legend, especially a legend mythic, at a really high mana cost they tend to be very obviously pointed at edh i think it's interesting that one of the abilities of this is just completely blank in that format
0: yeah like i think there's other ways to like make this ability relevant like when it comes into play name a card if your opponent would play the named card they lose 10 life
1: man like... this would be really good though against the relentless rats deck
0: <laughs> what you have to assume that they have relentless rats in the graveyard though how can you yeah, imagine? you're
1: playing black and red. You I can take understand. care of that. I mean, if you have somebody in your EDH play group who plays Relentless Rats, they're going to be real unhappy when they see this.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, moving on. <laughs> so, okay, so then, the most expensive one of the entire group, Dragonlord Atarka. 8-8, eight, eight, the biggest one, but also 7 mana.
1: Yep. Seven. It's 5 green-red, Flying Trample. When Dragonlord Atarka enters the battlefield, it deals 5 damage, Divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and or planeswalkers your opponent controls.
0: So he Bogard and Hellkite's when he comes into play. So if you guys don't remember, Bogard and Hellkite does the same 5 divided any number of... He flies and he tramples. He's an 8-8. Eight eight. I think Hellkite is a 5-5. Five five. So is this better than that guy? I don't think so. I really don't think so. Would he be better if he had flash? I still wouldn't play him in Legacy. Like he's
1: Bogard and Hellkite also doesn't have trample.
0: Oh! I mean, oh. this
1: guy. This guy tramples over a Grizzlebrand, or I guess through a Grizzlebrand.
0: Wow! And they get to gain how many life after? Like, they gain seven. They probably draw seven before that. Like, I'm you're still dead. Like, it's, it's
1: I, none of none of these relevant in uh in real formats.
0: Like, where does this guy become playable? Four mana. I t- okay. Let's say five mana. So like, you're on the play against a Jace. And they, like, Jace and Fate Seal till like, I get out of bolt range. And then you're like, oops, sorry, buddy. Put down my 8-8 Flying Trample, which, like, 5s your Jace. And it resolves miraculously against a Jace deck. That's a good card. I mean, how does a Delver deck beat an 8-8 Flying Trample that comes into play and pings for 5? Like, they don't. Days. <laughs> Except for a counterspell, because, yeah. So is this playable at 4 mana? Yes. Is this playable at 5 mana?
1: Are there are there Nick fit decks that play red?
0: There, there in fact are Nick fit decks that play red. So at five mana, this guy's more than playable because Broodmate Dragon is playable. Prime Time is playable. At seven mana, he's actually unplayable in Nick fit, and I'll tell you why. Like what you want to be doing in Nick fit is like casting big threats that are hard to manage. So like Siege Rhino is great because even if he dies, you still get the the drain, and it's it's okay. He's a
1: Thrag Tusk. Same. Same similar thing, it leaves something, uh, Grave Titan.
0: Grave Titan, same thing. Primeval Titan, again, same thing, because you go get Wolf Run, and if they do remove it, you still get Wolf Run, and if they don't remove it, they die the next turn because of Wolf Run.
1: I I think we can suffice to say these are interesting, and this will be the last time you hear us talking about them.
0: Unless I shit on them for some reason. That's when I'll talk about them. I
1: I do want to take this time to mention there is uh, another mechanic that's not officially a mechanic, is... Cards that want you to reveal or control a dragon. We didn't talk about any of these because revealing or controlling a dragon, in existing legacy decks at least, is very difficult to do.
0: Yeah, like, all uh, like except for my dragon-themed deck that I built, no.
1: I think the most obvious one of these as a potential playable in something is Silmgar's Scorn. Blue-blue instant. As an additional cost to cast Silmgar's Scorn, you may reveal a dragon card from your hand. Counter target spell unless its controller pays one. Well, that's boo boo. If you revealed a dragon card or controlled a dragon card as you cast Sylngar's Scorn, counter that spell instead. So if there were a deck that could play double blue, this would effectively oh, that could play double blue and had dragons, this could be actual counter spell in modern.
0: Oh baby, so close, but but not fucking good enough. That
1: requirement for dragons is real tough.
0: Like I guess like if you have a mutivolt, like
1: That's actually a really interesting point. Like But then you're just then it's just cancel because you've had to play you've yeah. had to pay one for Mutavolt.
0: Yeah, like I no, this card's bad. <laughs> like, in Legacy, I would rather just play Counterspell. In Vintage, I'd rather play Mana Drain, and in Modern, I would want to play that format.
1: Probably so, Mana Leak.
0: Yeah, Mana Leak's probably better. So interesting ability. I see how they're trying to push the Dragon's theme down our throat like
1: I don't think it's it's that bad, and there were some in uh, in Fate Reforged. There were some cheaper dragons, so it's definitely like it's possible that this could just straight up be counterspell. I think that the chances of that happening in a non-standard format are very low.
0: Yeah. Yes, buy it.
1: And then while we're on cards that uh, don't really have a lot to talk about. There's also some commands in this set, but they are two-color commands, which uh, some of those are the cheapest commands we've seen so far. Do you want to go through those like we did with the dragons, or now?
0: Yeah, so we'll go in order. So Jermoka's commands are green-white, instant. So hooray, we've got an instant. So it's like the charm, basically, right? So choose two, and you have four possible modes. So, okay, this already seems like it could be promising.
1: I mean, two mana for two of, two effects is obviously quite strong.
0: So let's see what those effects are. So mode one... Prevent all damage, target instant or sorcery spell would deal this turn. So, you negate a bolt, you negate... whatever. Maybe that's okay.
1: It would be, if that was something like life loss instead, that would be insane, because it would just counter tendrils.
0: Yeah, I would be okay with that.
1: Does stop grapeshot.
0: <laughs> oh, wonderful. Target player sacrifices an enchantment. Actually, no one gives a fuck. At least in
1: Legacy, yeah, there's not a lot of stuff that you're going to be hitting with this. So,
0: like, sacrifice your counterbalance. Oh, I flipped a 2, so you actually don't matter. Um, mode 3, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on target creature. Maybe that's fine.
1: Yeah, it's okay.
0: It's 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 just alright. Mode 4, target creature you control fights, target creature you don't control.
1: I know so- this is a mechanic you're a big fan of.
0: I, I'm liking fight and like instant speed fight even better. Like mid combat, like they attack and you're like, oh, giant knight of the relic ray fights your delver, so I don't like I don't have to worry about not blocking it.
1: I think the most obvious time this is going to be played, or the, rather the most obvious pair of modes, is putting plus one plus one counter on a creature and then that creature fighting.
0: Yeah, and it's just like for two mana, could I just have a removal spell? Yeah, yes, a sword yes to plowshares
1: could. or abrupt decay. Yes, you could probably always better.
0: So I do not like this spell.
1: I think this is a theme that recurs through all of these, that there is one ability that's pretty good, there's a second ability that's okay, and the rest are just not, don't care.
0: Yeah. So do you want to go through Ujutai?
1: Ujutai's command, two white-blue... Choose two. Return target creature card with converted mana cost two or less from the from your graveyard to the battlefield. Uh, in Legacy and Vintage, that's super relevant. Most creatures are converted mana cost two or less. And that gets real nuts if you've got a bunch of mana and you return a Snapcaster Mage.
0: Yeah, Snapcaster, even Stoneforge Mystic, like just for value.
1: Delver of Secrets.
0: Tarmogoyf. Tarmogoyf. Now you're supposed to say another one, not repeat. What to
1: <laughs> Mode two, you gain four life. Okay, that's fine. that That's probably the one you go with if you can't do any of the other things. So it's like
0: Pulse of the Fields. Great. One part of it.
1: Counter Target Creature Spell. Again, that's that's not bad. You know, especially if you did something like Counter Target Creature Spell, bring back a Snapcaster Mage Brainstorm.
0: Yeah. And then the last one is just Draw a Card.
1: So, I could see using the Return or Counter with Draw uh, a Card. I don't think I could see doing those things together for four mana.
0: Would you, like... Is this ever better than Cryptic Command? No.
1: It doesn't have triple colored in it.
0: Yeah, I mean, but beyond that, like, I can counter a real spell. You can
1: play it a lot faster.
0: Yeah, I can counter a real spell with Cryptic Command. I still get to draw a card. I can tap down their team. Like, I'm just not sure where I'd want to play this over, say, something like that. In Legacy, do I ever want to do any of these things? And
1: if you're going to compare this to Cryptic Command, then you're talking about Modern. And I could see playing this in Geist and returning your Snapcaster Mage and bolting one of their dudes or something like that. or yeah, count, count. I mean, there's a lot more creatures in that format. Like, countering a Termogoyf, draw a card, or counter a Termogoyf, get back my Snapcaster or something else. I could definitely see that being played in in Modern. I don't think so in Legacy or Vintage.
0: Yeah, so... Yeah, we'll give it the uh, one thumb down. One thumb. Irrelevant. Um... Sillinger's command three, three and Demir, so five mana. So this is a lot. This better be real good, right? This card wins be the game. It doesn't. <laughs> Choose two counter target non creature spell. So it's the complement to Ujitai's command. So that's gonna hit a lot of stuff. Great. That's uh, negate. Yeah. Great. Five mana negate. Awesome. Two return target permanent to its owner's hand. Chain of Vapor. Wonderful. Um, target creature gets minus three, minus three, until end of turn. Whatever card gives minus three, minus three, until end of turn. Destroy target Planeswalker. So, okay, so at its best, I get to kill a chase and counter a spell on the stack. I think
1: you'd rather have Red Blast, um, you'd rather have Dread Boar, actual counter spells.
0: Or actual bounce, like, for five, that's the thing, like, when I'm pasting two spells together... I don't want them to be more. I don't. I don't want them to be like.
1: It should cost a, a little less.
0: Yeah. Like. Like. Let's put it this way. Like to get a, a Negate and a chain of vapor. I feel like I should be spending three mana, maybe less.
1: Well, you do also have to account for the cost of only having to have one card in your library instead of two.
0: However, the but that uh, it's great. not three. Yeah. Yeah. Like. So. Like. Do I pay four for the spell? And uh, no. Destroy here, planeswalker. Like. Again, it comes down to: Do I get to kill Jason the Mind Sculptor? And the answer is: I can pay one red to kill Jason the Mind Sculptor, and I would not want to pay five and Demir, five including Demir, to do it. So, I think
1: you're being too harsh on these cards, considering that we already said that they are almost certainly irrelevant in in our chosen format.
0: It's true. I just want to show. So why. let's
1: let's get through the other two. Next one is Kolagon's Command. One black red. That's a payable mana cost. Yeah. Uh, choose two. return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. That could definitely be, uh, raise be viable. Dead. Sorry,
0: raise dead basically. Yeah. So target creature or sorry, target player discards a card. Okay, that's
1: that's all, that's all right. Uh, they get to choose, which is not great. That gets a suck. Uh, destroy target artifact. So that's so one one more than shatter. A uh, two um, more than crush. With with additional stuff on it, or deal two damage to target creature or player.
0: So destroying an artifact and. Doing two damage. So it's like shock plus crush. So that should be two mana, but I get it for three. No value. Discarding a card, so that could be like funeral charm plus return it raised dead. That should be two. Like these modes don't add up to three. Again. I think,
1: well, I I don't know. I wouldn't mind paying three for this. I just think there are better things you could be doing in a black and red deck. Blightning? Uh, th- yeah, like Blightning. I think where this would have the most potential in, uh, Legacy or Vintage would be in Jund, because paying four mana for a Raid Elf and getting this, that's actually pretty sweet.
0: I think I would so rather Blightening in Legacy. Like, i like, I feel like I would be less disappointed if I went Raid Elf Blightening you, get the fuck out of my game. Like, that's, like, instead of, like, oh, uh, can you discard one card of your choice to so discard the land you don't need, and I'm going to deal two damage to your Deathrite Shaman. Like, Wow.
1: Maybe we can play a red-black Waste Knot deck.
0: Well, now you're talking.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I feel like yeah, I'm so I,
0: angry at these cards. I apologize just, like, if I'm a little yeah, bit Yeah, not fired great. Up about... I think
1: probably the most playable one in Legacy or Vintage since we talked about Dracoma's Command. Let's get to the last one. Atarka's Command. Green uh, green and red. All right. So two it's mana, destructive so... rivalry mana cost. Great. Which, yeah, obviously, uh, payable. Your opponents can't gain life this turn. So cool. that could
0: be interesting. That, so,
1: that's a, an effect that we already know is uh, is quite viable.
0: So, and then it deals three damage to each opponent. So each opponent in this format is going to be one opponent. So, eh, bolting my opponent, fine. You put you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. What what land do I want at instant speed?
1: Probably a utility land.
0: Nah, yeah, still uh, creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and reach until end of turn. That's interesting. Reach is an ability that, like, we don't see a lot of reach, to be honest. Like, we see flying, we see not flying, but reach is something that a lot of people don't really expect, I'll be honest. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I don't know. This is, again, being only two mana, it's more likely to be playable than the others. This is, again, very, very minor. But... Casting this in response to a chip shot tendrils of agony, a tendrils of agony where they've cast it just to stay alive, is pretty hilarious. Like, oh, okay, I lose eight life, you don't gain any, and you're at four and I've got two goyfs on board. Yeah. So oh, and w- I'm gonna deal three damage to you. Three
0: damage to each opponent, so yeah, redirect to a planeswalker, that might be okay, but like I would have just preferred creature or player, like actual lightning bolt. Like then I'd be a little bit more inclined to play this card playing the land so it's just like okay i get to like on my opponent's end step if it was like bolt your creature explore that's fine i guess mid combat you can like plus one plus and reach all your guys like wh- when am i going to want to reach all of my guys they attack with 12 lingering souls tokens great <laughs> oh reach oh cool
1: you know, it's funny, we went into this saying that there wasn't a whole lot to talk about here, but we've managed to at least record for over an hour and a half so far.
0: We've recorded about how these things could be better. <laughs> like, like, how wizards, how could you make these cards playable for us instead of the masses of people who want to play Standard or EDH? And I think, the, and I think it's like, maybe we're spoiled in our design space in that, like...
1: Well, we certainly are. I think a fair rule of thumb is, like, one card a set.
0: Yeah, so what's what's our card in this set?
1: I think probably Myth Realized.
0: Yeah. I've I got mean,
1: one other potential one for you that we didn't mention.
0: I'd like to say Display of Dominance, but I don't think so. Sorry, so... H-
1: how about Rending Volley?
0: Rending Volley.
1: It's One red, instant, cannot be countered by spell's or abilities, deals oh, four damage to target white or blue creature.
0: So is this not Combust? So Combust. Combust is one and a red, I believe cannot be countered, deals five damage. So now I think with Combust, I'm not sure if the damage can't be prevented or not.
1: The damage cannot be prevented from Combust.
0: So Combust kills Turin and Nemesis. Does this kill Nemesis? No. Does this stop Splinter Twin combo from like going off? Yes. So is this the death of Splinter Twin in Modern? I, I don't care, actually. Like yeah, I, I actually don't care. I guess if you if you want to absolutely positively have to kill that, that Stoneforge Mystic. Sure.
1: I think this is again interestingly more vintage than legacy. Uh Delver of Secrets and Monastery Mentor, Yeah. Are the two best targets for this. Between Legacy and Vintage. I think those are the two best. And at least Delver of Secrets, I most of the time would rather just have Red Blast. Uncounterable is definitely relevant, but
0: Yeah, but like when when do I wanna like I must kill this creature and I'm in these colors? Like I guess I wanna kill their Stoneforge before they untap. I wanna kill if Delver of Secrets in the air. What are the other white and red, like, creatures in Legacy? Like, there's no Mentor. Like, those are my two creatures that I care about.
1: One red, kill one Angel, angel token?
0: Token? <laughs> so Yeah, I don't like, think so in like Legacy. Yeah, I feel like I was so, so snappy today.
1: Yeah, you're, you're very angry.
0: I'm so angry, because I'm like, you're so close. Why aren't you there?
1: How about the new art for Duress? Is that the same feeling? Why aren't you uh, there?
0: Don't even, like, I'm... Like... Don't get me wrong. They, I'm the guy very, in that they, art
1: just looks annoyed. Like, oh, this guy's yelling at me.
0: I've, Stop. I've, I'm super. Like, I'm. I'm kind of a. I'm kind of a snob when it comes to my duress arts for different reasons. So, like, there's nothing wrong with the good old like. I've got something in my hands and now it's falling apart. Or it's a saga edition. Nobody will fault you for liking that. Seventh edition comes in Japanese foil, and a lot of people are really like up on this art. I like this art as well. I have no problem with this with this art at all. M14, like, the, like, I've got spines in my face is kind of... Looks like
1: someone's being tortured to give away information. I like it from a flavor point.
0: It's a flavor, like, I don't like it, but flavorfully, it's, it's fine. All of the other recent printings of this card are this art, the M14, whatever, like, all the box sets. Except now we've got the new art, which I think is strictly worse than all of them. Like, which I think, like, again, it brings me back to the direction of the way the art is going. Like, it's too busy it's
1: there is a lot going on
0: like i i feel like it's too busy i don't really like duress like is this guy duressed he just looks like he's gonna get mad
1: just wants every card to be word of command
0: yeah just like two eyes that's all i need like <laughs>
1: have you ever seen word of command played in real life
0: uh magic 94
1: i have seen it played in legacy at a competitive rl event the person played it the opponent said wait. wait this works like this right and the person who played it said i don't know
0: Okay. Well, I think that's acceptable if you like have them and you're like, let's bring these up today. Like that's okay. Like you can you can you can just confuse your opponents with it. Because what is it? You get to play a spell from like offhand. It's just like
1: uh, I want to. Okay, without looking at it, I believe it is. You look at their hand. You, you get to pick, pick a spell, a spell from- and you control them for the length of picking this for, uh, for the length of casting the spell to include choosing the mana sources that they use, but that's all that you control.
0: But I think you choose targets, do you not?
1: Hey, let's see. All right, let's look it up.
0: Like, this is by memory, so, like, this card is also... Oh, also,
1: this card is one of those where when somebody plays it, you just call a judge. Uh, all right, this card's oracle text is 87 words. Oh, boy. Look at target opponent's hand and choose a card from it, period. You control that player until word of command finishes resolving the player plays that card if able, while doing so the player can activate mana abilities only if they're from lands he or she controls and only if the mana they produce is spent to activate other mana abilities of lands he or she controls and or play that card. If the chosen card is cast as a spell you control that player while that spell is resolving.
0: So as if you couldn't get more confusing, so basically, it means like you can control their mana to play the spell, or if they have some sort of like mana rock or something like that, you can like filter. filter you can filter, basically. So, is that card good? No, no, it is not. But in '94, oh boy.
1: <laughs> anyway, I think we're pretty much done talking about the set. Overall, Anything else?
0: like, what's your overall impression of the set? Like in one to two sentences.
1: Lots of interesting stuff, but no obvious goodies.
0: Agreed. Interesting stuff made me think. Made me think about why they are so bad at designing cards. for.
1: Well, so you're obviously not happy with the design. Did you think the first two sets from this block were better? No. Because one might argue that this is the problem that they've had, which they are trying to solve by only having two set blocks.
0: Yeah, no, I just, like... I found this set also came really quickly after the last set. Like, I think this has to do with Origins and how they're kind of pushing up their schedule for the change, but, like, I felt like we just had a pre-release, and then it's like, oh, wait, there's more, and it's like, well, i it's, not- it's
1: always been like that, because there's basically a break for the holidays, and then they need to release another set before summer.
0: I know, it just always feels so rushed. Not much to say about that.
1: I-, I will agree, though, that it did kind of sneak up on me. When we were talking about doing this episode, it was like, oh, man, the set comes out, like, in a couple days, and I haven't even looked at the spoiler yet.
0: And it turns out it was already out on <laughs> So... Yeah, overall, nothing to see here, folks.
1: Anything uh, else? Uh, Plays of the Week, anything of that nature?
0: Uh, what did I get to do this week? I see rhino people out of games. I, I got to play in Vintage. I played against Shops with uh, Mentor.deck. I got to Hercules Recall away my opponent. Not even for... Like, I needed to, to stay alive to get rid of the Forge Master. He rebuilds with Forgemaster... And then I draw Yogg-Will and then proceed to go, like, mentor Hercules Recall. You do a bunch of stuff, gain, like, six tokens, and just absolutely blow them out. So it was mentor good. Uh, I then, in the other game, proceeded to go, like, turn one, like, Ingature you, turn two, Meddling Mage, turn three, Ingature something else... Like, it was, it was a pretty insane blowout that probably shouldn't happen. So that was, I mean, that was fun. I got to play some Vintage, so I was excited. Uh, I'm thinking about building, completing Shops. I just need to buy the Shops.
1: Have you completed uh, your set of Power? Has that arrived?
0: Uh, it's still with Greg. So all the Beta Power's done. Shops is done, except for Workshops, so that's not a big deal. I can, I'll pick those up before I go to is Europe.
1: not a big deal? Just, like, the most expensive non-Power
0: card in the deck? Yeah, whatever. Anyway... Uh, so I'll pick those up, and uh, I'll probably play workshops at Praga Turtle. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with. I don't want to play Mentor. Like I, I enjoy playing Mentor in Vintage. I think it's a fun deck. I don't enjoy playing the deck though. Uh, I thought Junk Hate Bears was fine, but not powerful enough. I enjoy playing Prison. I played Stacks in Legacy uh, in the early slash mid two thousands, and I enjoyed it. So I think playing at Prison Stacks archetype and vintage is where I want
1: to be. So you're looking at playing like an espresso deck. Yeah. All right, I've got got two real quick ones for you. Uh, The first is, uh, since we've last recorded, so a couple weeks ago, I played at Star City Dallas. Oh, Uh, okay. I did awful, but I also got home from Dallas, 250 miles away, at like 6 p.m., so that was nice. Oh. (laughs) But uh, I had, in the trial, I was playing Blue Black Reanimator, which okay. I am definitely going to switch that to the green splash for abrupt decay. It's, I finally decided that that's the thing to do. I go turn two show and tell.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I put in I put in grave titan. Okay. My, right. oppo- my like opponent, aggression. my opponent puts in grove of the burn willows, and I'm just like, all right, feels good. I go all right turn three like you know I've got a grave titan I'm gonna win the game in two or three turns. I'm like nope. feeling greedy show and tell. Opponent, oh, says, yeah. why you do opponent says yeah that's fine I flip over a grizzle brand my opponent flips over another grove of the burn willows oh <laughs> yeah that was, it was about the best show and tell that's ever resolved I was very happy with it
0: uh, actually I have put in the straight nothing um, off of a show and tell just being like filled with like irrelevant spells in my hand and being like I choose to write my selection on a piece of paper and then just like flipping over a blank piece of paper.
1: My greatest show and tell I have ever done was um, I played blue, white. Uh, it's hard to describe. It was a Thopter deck, but I played Humility and Moat in the main board because, oh, yeah. I own, because I owned a Korean Humility and an and, English Moat. And, Mote. Remote, yeah. and my, uh, my opponent goes turn three, goes show and tell. And I top, you know, put it back. Yeah, that's fine. Opponent's like, alright, flip over, I put in Humility, he immediately calls a judge.
0: (laughs) Uh, Judge, my opponent is not playing fairly. Well, he was like, like,
1: I'm pretty sure he pre-boarded, but I'd been playing there for a while, and one of the guys who works at the store was like, no, this guy is just nuts and plays Humility.
0: (laughs) Well, obviously you play Humility and Thoughtfares, and you're just like, well, nice nice group of creatures you got there. I have many more of them. I
1: I have many funny stories from that deck, but uh, we can save those for another time. My other good recent story was I was playing Sean's Monastery Mentor deck that he posted on Eternal Central. I was playing online. One quick thing I want to point out, you hear a lot of people have bad experiences with their opponents online. I've found that in Vintage, that's not usually the case. Probably 25% of my games, me and my opponent chit-chat during the game, just in chat like, oh, nice, oh, that's a cool deck, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting it, that type of thing and uh, we're having a back and forth and we're playing and I've got a pretty strong advantage I've got two or three monks in play and uh, I attack and he does something really powerful and I was like oh wow that was really nice he says yeah I think I might be able to get out I think I drew just the right thing I need to not lose I go alright, untap, upkeep, draw play black lotus, like seven triggers go on the stack and he concedes <laughs> oh. I just like yep that card's that good I just just, just played an artifact and won the game
0: yeah, I, I really liked Mentor. I think I think the think tanks that kind of went into playing that guy in Vintage and trying him out. Yeah, he's definitely better in a format with a lot of, like, zero-casting off spells. Because there have been times where I've been, like, play out my and Hercules recall my Moxin back, recast all my mocks and kill you.
1: I, mean, like, I don't know if you've done this yet. How great does it feel to play a Planeswalker with a Mentor out?
0: Uh, I mean, I have no problem playing Jace the Mind Sculptor. And I, mean, I mean,
1: like, play Jace, get a Monk. Your mentor gets bigger. Then you brainstorm and probably play another spell.
0: Yeah, I've definitely done that. It feels real good. Or even just like monk, brainstorm, hit, like, hit, like, mox, another mana source, put back two bricks, token, token, pass. So you're like, oh, even their Jason board right now gets rid of the mentor. I've got three tokens. Like, the pressure it provides is so interesting, and I really like it. All
1: right. Well, we're getting, uh, we've run pretty long here, so I think let's wrap it up. I think we've done a good job looking through most of the stuff from the new set.
0: I actually want to do a thank you to Eternal Central. So, as you may know, Eternal Central has been our home for the past two years, basically. I think it'll be two years quite soon. And, um, you know, they've hosted us, and they've done a really good job, and they've promoted us, and, I mean, our relationship started. A long time ago, and we've known Jayco, Each of us has known Jayco for quite a while, and you know it's one of the websites really promoting legacy and vintage content. And I just wanted to say that we really appreciate them hosting us for this long and promoting, and just generally being being good. So, once again, I think we can all kind of say from the cast, and you know, thank you very much and. If you appreciate their content, you know, do continue to visit their website and uh, check them out.
1: Yeah, I would highly recommend uh, supporting them through buying uh, a lot of the premium content they put out. A lot of people are a little hesitant to pay for, but a lot of it's real good. I know, I read Menindian's Delver Primer. It's like four bucks, which is not that much for someone who plays Legacy or Vintage. And it was like 60 pages.
0: Yeah, and I mean, reasonably, like, if you're buying, like, I know that I treat myself to some coffee or, you know, stuff every now and again and like those things cost like four dollars so you know save yourself a latte read some articles so you know or if you just appreciate their content send them an email saying that you appreciate it because i'm sure they'd love to hear from it because you know not everyone gets paid to release content you know and a lot of them a lot some of the articles are definitely done from you know just kind of the love of the game so you know if you appreciate it give them a shout out all right
1: um well i think that's about it i've been sam craven
0: I'm Still Matt Pavlik.
1: Thanks for listening. Questions, comments, and observations are always appreciated. You can reach us on Facebook at facebook.com/everydayeternalpodcast, on Twitter at @eternalmtg, in the comments section on our website, or on MTG The Source. Matt may be reached on Twitter at underscore Matt. I may be reached on Twitter at thecravenone. Today's music has been 8-bit Love Machine by Gumbell and was acquired via the Free Music Archive. Check out Gumbell on Facebook or at gumbell.bandcamp.com.